0: The Bible reading today is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well... I'm excited to be in the series of Ecclesiastes, I hope you can read it uh, at home uh, as we go through it over the next few weeks. Let's, uh, let's pray, let's ask for God's help as uh, we come to his word. Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks, you haven't left us in the dark and we pray now that as we look at this amazing book from your word that you would speak, that you would change us, that you would... Open the eyes of our hearts to the truth of your Son, that we might love him more and more. Please expose us, expose our hearts and bring us to Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. Well, has anyone seen Groundhog Day? Hands up, yes? So you'll know Bill Murray is the main character, there he is, and he plays a guy called Phil Connors who finds himself stuck in country USA in a town called Punxsutawney, USA. And he's gone there to cover Groundhog Day, uh, which is a festival uh, celebrating the change of season. And the groundhogs kind of come out of the ground, and supposedly, and that signifies the change of season, and they celebrate with all the American stuff like buttered corn and all that sort of gear. The problem is he wakes up, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, he wakes up each day and it's Groundhog Day. Same day, over and over again. So he wakes up and Sonny and Sher come on the radio. I got you, babe. Great song if you hear it once. But if you hear it again and again and again, some, it's not so great. Groundhog Day, it's Groundhog Day, it's Groundhog Day. If you haven't seen the movie, worth a, worth a look. It does get a bit repetitive. Michael, fair. You've seen it? Fair. Okay. Very good. Life is a bit like Groundhog Day, isn't it? You wake up, you do stuff, you go to sleep. And it feels a little bit repetitive. And that is what Ecclesiastes chapter 1 shows us. We're starting this new book uh, and it's an exciting book to be in. It's a part of the wisdom literature in the Bible. Wisdom literature, uh, if you didn't know, is kind of a sidetrack. Uh, that goes alongside the main theme of the Bible, which obviously is God ruling and saving his people through Jesus Christ. That's the main theme of the Bible, and we'll look at uh, books of the Bible like that in, uh, in time. But now we're looking at wisdom literature, uh, Proverbs, Song of Songs, that sort of stuff. It's a side comment on life and how to live it well. And it also prepares us for Jesus So, Ecclesiastes does two things, like most wisdom literature does. It opens up the problems of life, exposes problems, and then it gives us insights into how to live it. And most importantly, it prepares us for Jesus. But Ecclesiastes kind of is strong on exposing problems. So, straight in, we get to it, chapter 1, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles open, you see that these are the words of the teacher son of David, king of Jerusalem. And we jump to the conclusion, obviously, that this is probably Solomon. doesn't explicitly say it, but it makes a lot of sense to think it's Solomon. And what he's going to do is he's going to test life to see if he can find any meaning and purpose in it. All the big ticket items of life, he's going to test them all. And he's testing life, Under the sun, that is, he looks out there without a personal reference to a personal God. You just look out, if you were to look out into the world and try and make sense of it without a special word from God, how do you make sense of it? That's that key phrase, under the sun, it comes up again and again in the book and he is going to look and see if he can make any sense of it. And the thing is, he gives us the conclusion straight away, did you see it? Have a look in your Bibles at verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Now, this is the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. That word meaningless there, it means that vapour that comes out of your mouth on a chilly morning. You know that stuff? It's there and it's gone. That's literally what it is. Meaningless, pointless, empty, nothing. So there we go. The conclusion is... Everything is meaningless. Let's let's finish up, we're all done. No, now he goes and he proves his point. He has the means, the money, he has all the time in the world to test absolutely everything and that's what he's going to do. You see, the point is, everything is meaningless and he is going to test all the big ticket areas of life over the weeks we're going to test them too. In the movie Groundhog Day, Phil Connors gets stuck in a time loop. He's stuck on repeat. And he starts trying to enjoy every area of life. If you've seen it, he goes and he he makes the most of it. But what happens? It gets boring, it gets mundane, and it gets pointless. Life under the sun is meaningless. So let's see. Why? Why is it meaningless? Two big things uh, in this passage. Firstly, life under the sun, nothing really changes. Have a look at verse 3. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Implication, nothing. Why? Well, verse 4. Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. We get up, we do stuff, we go to sleep, and we do it on repeat. Our life is like, that oh, that's stuff. On a cold morning, nothing really changes. And in verses 4 and so on, he proves his point by looking at the patterns of the world. Did you see it there? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, to the north, round and round it goes on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from. There they return again. You see what he's saying? It's the monotony of earth. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, does it every day. The streams flow, but the sea's never full. Our world just keeps going over and over, always the same. When uh, we were on our honeymoon, Kitty and I stopped at uh, Uluru. We didn't actually stop there. We stopped at the airport and had two hours, and the rock is quite away from the airport, so he ran out and took photos from a distance and then got back on the plane. It was a bit disappointing, to be honest. But I heard of a guy who went to Uluru and took uh, his family on one of those tours with Aboriginal guides up the rock. He can't do it anymore, uh, for obvious reasons. You don't want to stuff up the rock. But one of the tour guides said to him, we call the tourists ants. And he was like, what are you talking about, Ants? But then he went back to the tourist bureau, and in the shop there's this uh, TV on a, a loop, and it's going really fast. And it's uh, a shot from above the rock, and you see the tourists in their car, in their buses come, they get out of their bus, they go up the rock, they come back down, they get back in the bus, and off they go. And it's on a loop, up, down, up, down, up, down. They come, they get out, they look, they go. They come, they get out, they look. They go like ants. Nothing really changes. Streams flow into the sea. It's never full. Sun comes up, sun comes down. Nothing really changes. Pretty depressing, right? Don't worry, it gets worse. Nothing really changes and nothing really satisfies. Have a look there. Verse 8 All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear enough of hearing. We can get bored with absolutely anything in this world. My wife, Kenny, she loves roller coasters. I hate them. But have you ever watched the guys manning the roller coaster at the amusement park? They are not amused. (laughs) They are bored out of their brains. You can get bored with anything. I heard of a guy who quit his job and uh, bought a barramundi fishing tour up north because he loved fishing. Guess what? He hates fishing. He can't stand it anymore. The eye never has enough of seeing. We never get enough of looking at things, do we? Because we're never satisfied and we're bored with everything. A friend of mine uh, saved up and went on a... um, a trip to Europe for two months. And he had a great time and he came back and he said, oh, I'm done with travelling now. No, he didn't. He started planning his next trip because the eye never has enough of seeing. There's a million things on Netflix, aren't there? There's nothing on. (laughs) The ear never has enough of hearing either. Not just the eyes, it's also the ears. I want to know, why do we need new songs? Why do Post Malone and what's-the-name Swifty keep putting out new songs? We could have stopped in the 80s, right? ABBA, ACDC, Michael Jackson. That's enough good songs. We're done. No. I walk around with a million songs in my pocket and there's still nothing good to listen to because the ear never has enough of hearing. We are not satisfied because nothing really satisfies boring and we're never it's never enough have a look at verses 9 and 10 the teacher comes to a conclusion now after showing us what we already know what has been will be again what has been done will be done again there's nothing new under the sun is there anything to which one could say look there's something new no it was already here long before long before our time and verse 11 There's no remembrance of men of old. Even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. So there's nothing new and they're not going to remember you anyway, so don't worry about it. I don't remember my great-grandparents. I don't know if you do. No one's going to remember me in a couple of generations either. Hopefully you remember this sermon when you walk out the door. (laughs) That's a snapshot of life under the sun. If you were to look out, out there without a personal word from the creator of the world, How would you make sense of it? It would be meaningless, like that vapour coming out of your mouth. You might be hearing this and you're thinking, well, Matt, yeah, so what? That's just life, isn't it? You just get on with it. Well, why does it feel so wrong? Why do we yearn for more? Why is it frustrating? Why do the deepest desires of our hearts long for better things, for better times? Well, the reason is, God has made it that way for a time. Have a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 20. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. That's God. Why? In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Of God, The heavy hand of our God is on this world. That word frustration there, guess what word that is, equivalent in Ecclesiastes? Meaningless. God has done it for a time. He has frustrated our world. He has made our lives appear meaningless. Why? Because... Things are not right. The world is out of whack with its creator and we are out of whack with our creator. There's something wrong. So just like the pain in my body indicates that there's something going on, there's something wrong, so the pain of the world, the frustration of the world, shows us something is wrong. All this frustration is for a point. Your frustration with life is for a point. God has done it. So don't waste your frustration. What do you think is actually going to satisfy us? Well, we're going to test them all in this series. The big ticket items, money, wisdom, pleasure, power, work, rest. We're going to test them all. Spoiler alert, none of it works. Nothing in this world will give you the deepest desires of your heart. Nothing in this world will give us the meaning and purpose that our hearts long for except for God Himself. He has frustrated this world. Why? In hope. Do you see it? In hope of what? That the creation, including you and me, will be liberated. ...from what? Bondage to decay. What is that? That's sin. We'll be set free from sin and brought into what? The glorious freedom of the children of God. Most of us know already how that has happened. We know how it's happened. It's There's only one way to be liberated from the bondage to decay. There's only one way to be set free and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God, and his name is Jesus. So, can you see, there is only one place that provides our satisfaction. We're going to sing that song again, Satisfy Me, it's directly from uh, Psalm 90, where we cry out, satisfy us. What's going to satisfy us when we wake up each morning, when the sun comes up, What do we look for? We look at, my job's going to satisfy me. My family's going to satisfy me. My pleasure's going to satisfy me. No. They're all going to let you down. There is only one place in which you get satisfaction. And it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. At that moment when Jesus dies... There's two satisfactions going on. God is satisfied and we are satisfied. God is satisfied when all the uh, penalty and punishment for our sin is poured on to him who had no sin because now he can accept us. And we are satisfied when all the punishment for our sin is taken on Jesus because now we can approach God. And so... There's only one place that we find satisfaction every day. It is the cross of Jesus Christ. We must never get sick of hearing about Christ crucified. If you're thinking, oh man, Matt's going to talk about the cross every single week. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Because that's the only place we will find true satisfaction. When you wake up in the morning, what's going to satisfy you? Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, under the sun, nothing really changes and nothing really satisfies. But under the sun, we are satisfied forever. God has made the world this way right now. He has given you your frustration and your pain and your difficulty and your grief and your suffering for a point. Don't waste your frustration. It's designed to point you to him who died and was risen. Don't waste your frustration. So let's, let's finish up. Three, three T's. Because Phil Connors in Groundhog Day had a problem, didn't he? he? He was trapped in a realm that kept going over and over and over again. We have to get out of the realm, don't we? How did I can't actually remember how Phil Connors got out of his little rut. Some TV magic thing happened. I don't know. Go watch it and tell me later. We have to get out of that realm. And most of us here are already out of the realm. When you come to trust Jesus, you are instantly taken from the realm of sin and death into the realm of Jesus Christ, his kingdom and his righteousness. But each day we wake up forgetful. We I, I do, I don't know about you, maybe I, I'm the only one here. I wake up and try and find satisfaction in the things of the world. How stupid am I? You're obviously not that dumb. No, we all do it. So, three things, turn, trust, travel. Turn. Firstly, we must wake up and turn away from finding satisfaction, deep desires of our hearts in stuff, in things that will always let us down and never satisfy. We wake up and think, maybe this time it'll work, or just default, we just go to it. Maybe. I'll give it a try. It won't give you what you're looking for. We must wake up and turn away from finding satisfaction in the things of the world. And then don't just turn from it. Turn to the risen Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because let these words deeply sink in. I have done it this week. Jesus Christ satisfies you. Did you hear that? Tell yourself again. Because speak to yourself the truth of Jesus. Don't listen to yourself. Wake up each morning and receive Jesus Christ and his satisfaction for you. He is everything you need. He is sufficient for you. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is your pleasure, your wisdom, your wealth, your refuge, your strength, your satisfaction. He is everything you need. Trust him. Trust his death. Trust his resurrection power. Trust his everyday sufficiency. Take these words deep in our hearts. We've got nothing from this. Jesus Christ will satisfy you forevermore. When the sun comes up, he will satisfy. When the depths of pain and grief and despair come, he will satisfy. When you are frustrated out of your mind and feels like Groundhog Day every day, He will satisfy you. So turn and trust Him. And lastly, travel, because I couldn't really think of a word that says live that begin with T, but close enough. Travel, journey with Him. The way Jesus satisfies us each day is revealing himself to you. Let's mind the depth of that just for a few seconds. Put that another way. The way we are satisfied by God through Jesus is by knowing him more and more. To be satisfied by Jesus is to know him. And the way you know him is to travel with him, to listen to his word, to pray to him, To share him with others. When you find your heart tugging you away from the only place that gives you true satisfaction. When you wake up and your heart kind of tugs you to things that will never satisfy you. At that very moment, God is working in you to give you that frustration. Don't waste your frustration. Use it to turn back to Him, to know Him, that you yearn for Him, our soul desires Him. So in the morning we wake up and we pray and we cry out, satisfy me. There is nowhere else, no one else, I must listen to your word, I must pray to you because that's the only place you satisfy me. Nothing really changes, nothing really satisfies. But under the Son, Jesus Christ, we're satisfied forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that there's only one place to truly satisfy us, and it's your Son, Jesus. Pray for each of us here this morning that we would truly turn from trying to find satisfaction in the things of the world. Forgive us for doing that, Father. That we would trust your Son, truly, truly trust him to be our only satisfaction. And we travel, we live each day listening to you, praying to you, loving you more and more. Jesus, satisfy us, we pray. Amen. We're gonna sing again, please stand.